Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, for those dream pop aficionados who are just joining us, what is it we do here on Finest Work Songs? If they're able to take time out of their day just staring at their shoes and <laughs> thinking about romance and love and lost, and I'm glad they joined us. But here on Finest Work Songs, we talk classic albums. We discuss albums that are universally acclaimed as classic. It might be something like Nirvana's Nevermind or R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People. Or it might be something a little bit more obscure, or it might be something that really hit one of us at a key point in time. We like to take a look back and think, is it a classic album? Is it something that still resonates to this day? And the answer is yes. Yes. What album are we doing today, Matt? Today we are doing the Sunday's Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic. Before we jump into the music, Matt, what do you have for us here? We just have some of the best listeners in all of the finest work songs, multiverse. We love how you engage with us, whether it's on social media. Occasionally, you guys send us emails, too. And these emails are things that are just really weighing on your minds. And, and we really appreciate it when you reach out to us like that. We like to read these emails in a little segment we call Kenny Gmail. This Kenny Gmail is in reference to the Tom Petty Wildflowers episode. I can't wait to hear how he's touched another person. Yeah, yeah, right. This email is from Christy Boris Singhal. Christy writes, Acne cannot be properly contained and defeated if your immune system is not strong enough to fight it. <laughs> is that a response to the song Honeybee? Honeybee, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, honey helps with the immune system. Acne cannot be properly contained and defeated if your immune system is not strong enough to fight it. Did you have bad acne as a teenager? I don't think there's such a thing as good acne, but... <laughs> fair. That's fair. I definitely went through some zits, and I don't have scars from it. And right. I, man, I just feel for the people. They really... It was out of control. What about you? I don't think it was bad for long. I, mean, I do remember at one point having to get like an actual pill to help fight it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, if you take this pill, you just... Don't go out in the sun ever. Right. You're going to burn like instantaneously. I didn't know they had pills. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, I didn't have it too, too bad. The time I remember being impactful was, I guess it was this one that was just out of control. Yeah. And I remember trying to put on some of my sister's foundation. Nice. Thinking it would cover it up. No, it doesn't cover it up. No. It's why do you have makeup on, dude? Yeah. Thanks, Katie, for uh, sharing that heartfelt message with we us. We really appreciate you taking the time to reach out to us. And thanks again for all the Finest Work fans for sending us emails. Again, if you want to get us an email to maybe read on a future Epipod, send us your email at finestworksongs at gmail, and maybe we'll read yours in a future Kenny Gmail segment. Let's jump into the album. Reading, writing, and arithmetic starts with Skin and Bones. Harriet Wheeler and David Gavron 
met when they were attending Bristol University. Sorry, uni, right? Uni, uni. Yeah, they went to uni. Yeah, that's right. They met, fell in love. They'd both done little bands here and there. Mm-hmm. But then uh, moved to London and got up with bassist Paul Brindley and then uh, Patrick Hannon, the drummer. As we'll see, they, they had a, a rapid rise, not a long discography, but together for a fair number of years. Nine years. To keep the same four. Pretty remarkable, especially to have a rise like they did. When you talk about the Sundays, you talk about Harriet and David. Yeah. They wrote the songs together. It's her voice. It's his guitar playing and, Mm -hmm. I guess, songwriting. She didn't grow up with aspirations to have one of the most unique voices in pop history, but she did sing in a band called Jim Jiminy. Jim Jiminy. Jim Jim Jimjury. That sounds like if you were were doing a a spoof and making up a band name. Yeah. From England in the 80s. They're all just chimney sweeps and and (laughs) cockney accents. Oh, we need a band name. What would their sort of name be for an American band? Well, we always laugh the times we've been to Epcot, and you've got the World Showcase, and it's going to go from Italy to Japan and Canada and England, and then you get to the, like the American experience. The food offerings are you know, funnel cakes and turkey legs, and it's like, <laughs> is that what the rest of the world thinks of us? Yep, the cowboy hat fits. <laughs> That's right. Of the Disney parks, Matt, where does Epcot land for you? Oh, Epcot's a 1B for me. Magic Kingdom is going to be 1A, just because it's, yeah. it's the OG. And Epcot is 1B, so it's not even number two. What do you love about it? I actually get a kick out of all the countries being right there together. And Did you, know, you go as a kid? Yes. You have to have great memories of Epcot as a kid. Because I do. I'm just wondering if that colors your view of it, because I went for the first time when our oldest two were seven and five. Aside from the whole Nemo thing, mm-hmm. which was great, it was weird, <laughs> and it was basically a place for millennials to come and get wasted. The whole afternoon, it felt like drunk people in their 20s everywhere (laughs) talking about hooking up. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, we'd be walking along through Epcot, (laughs) and I've got the seven and five-year-old, and I would go, hey, girls, oh, look, is there a fish in the water? Just to let these drunk people go by because they were talking so loud about the worst stuff. Really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. The happiest place on earth. So I didn't, I'm not an Epcot fan. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, and I will say, maybe one thing that colors it for me is a couple of times ago when we went, we got to see a free concert by Davy Jones of the Monkees. That is your favorite place <laughs> that, on earth. That, that woo, lifts it up a, a couple notches. But yeah. I've not seen the uh, preponderance of It was drunk- 10 at night. It was four in the afternoon. Oh, God, yeah, it amazing. was out of control. Yeah, yeah, I could see where that would color your experience back to the sundays (laughs) in all interviews they did not have an ambition to become the sundays as we know it right they just happened to write really good songs yeah and he's an excellent guitarist and her voice is unlike any other i was thinking about it you listen back to the sundays this week and there are a couple of female vocalists who probably upon hearing their voices i immediately like had a crush on and had no idea what they even look like share 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 is definitely (laughs) One Roseanne Barr. One one B is Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Judy Tanusha. Oh God, remember her? Judy Tanuta. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, so shrill. Harriet Wheeler. She was one of them. There's something so interesting, eloquent, and beautiful, and lilting, and everything about her voice. And you talk about being the two of them. We were listening to Skin and Bones. I'm like, I don't even know if I hear bass in the song. Now I'll push back on that because Paul and Patch are so underrated okay the bass playing and i'm just basing one, on i'm basing just on that song as, yeah as we're listening now well he's playing higher in the register yeah yeah when you get into static and silence man paul's bass playing is i think it's a huge part of the song okay and he didn't get any songwriting credit i don't know about patch i think that they are the perfect drummer and bassist for the sundays yeah, i think fair. they are 
a full band. I don't know why. I don't know. I have trouble with not giving people song writing credit when, especially the bass, yeah. plays such an integral part mm-hmm. of how the song comes to form. But to your point earlier, it seems like all the focus before and since has been on Harriet and David. I wonder how much that is because they were a couple. Otherwise, it would have just been on Harriet. Yeah, that's fair. And not as much David, even though they wrote the songs together. And even though I think that he was responsible for writing the music, mm-hmm. at least the initial structure of the song, they were on 120 Minutes together. It wasn't yeah. all the Sundays. It was the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he was this boisterous personality. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. Both kind of subdued. Yeah, understated. You could see it being, if they had not been romantically involved, almost being like a 10,000 maniacs kind of thing, yeah, where people right. are just like, it's all about her. And speaking of that, when they did Unplugged, which is one of the best Unplugged albums, they get introduced as, well, let's bring out Natalie and 10,000 Maniacs. What? In hindsight, like, there it is. Not that long after she leaves and goes Dang. solo. But All right, well, let's play the next song. This is our introduction in the U.S., Here's where the story ends. Long-time listeners will know that we start off our epipods here with our memories. But we held off because basically we, we have the same memory, which is this song on 120 Minutes. Instantly being mesmerized by everything about this song and the video. Even though the video is not like a great video. No. It's of that 120 Minutes, early 90s, yeah. oeuvre, if you will. We've referenced 120 Minutes before and how for suburban kids... You stay up late on a Saturday night. You get to experience college rock, alternative rock. We didn't have a college radio station where I grew up. You were not exposed to alternative music aside from people with mixtapes or 120 minutes. Subscribe to Rolling Stone. You might hear about something. You might read a review of something that piqued your interest. Growing up in Dunn, North Carolina, we were about an hour away from Raleigh. So on clear nights, we could sometimes pick up WKNC, NC State's radio station. And here's some metal. Chainsaw rock. So that kind of was an option, but even still, not really. And so 120 minutes was where it was at. There was also Postmodern MTV was another show. That Postmodern MTV? was a 30-minute show. I don't know if it was just one night a week or something, but alternative college rock videos. Whereas 120 minutes, as the name implies, two hours of, of this stuff. Yeah. New music, even some older stuff. I remember really hearing Just Like Heaven by The Cure for the first time on 120 mm, minutes yeah i know you're gonna be shocked by this i wasn't really out partying much on oh right saturday no, nights and no. so it was if i was home on a saturday night late which i normally was i was tuned in and locked in on 120 minutes 
Yeah, I might have Doug coming over to stay the night and we'd watch it. But that's where you get introduced to bands like The Lightning Seeds. Just lying smiling in the dark, shooting stars around your heart. Dreams come bouncing in your head, pure and simple every time. Oh, yeah. I remember that's that. Right. I do remember that. I still love that song. But things like Jesus and Mary Chain. Yep. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They, I felt like they were always They're on. They're always on. The Charlatans. Or, as we call them, Charlatans UK. (laughs) (laughs) Over there, they're just called the Charlatans. (laughs) Matt, thanks to the internet, they have the 120 Minutes Archive. This is May 13th, 1990. You've just turned 15. Uh, I'm still 14. Here's an example of what a typical 120 minutes. And this may be the one where, here's where the story end debuts. Okay. Lloyd Cole. I don't remember Lloyd Cole. I don't remember Lloyd Cole. But then you got the Jesus and Mary chain, yep. followed by the Sundays, Camper Van Beethoven, uh, Take the Skinheads Bowl. I really want to do a Camper Van Beethoven epipod. Are they worth a whole... I think they I You think would have to are. sell me. I never... Take the Skinheads Bowling is a great song. It is a good song. The Chills, never heard of them. Hunters and Collectors, The Lightning Seeds, speaking uh-huh. of. Social Distortion, yep. The Fall, John Wesley Harding, Midnight Oil, Forgotten Years. Okay. Bring it, man. That yes. song's going to make me run through a wall. Yep. Robin Hitchcock, mm-hmm. Dramarama, The Silos, MC 900 Foot Jesus. I remember MC 900 Foot Jesus. A lot of these bands we would not have heard of. I still don't know who they are. Yeah. So it's not always that 120 Minutes was just the way to break the alternative music that was going to eventually end up on MTV. Right. right. They were playing stuff that you would never have heard otherwise. I feel like 120 Minutes did a, a really good job. They would sprinkle in these popular alternative acts which is probably how I got into it. I'm, I'm sure early 90s, I was flipping through and uh, there was an REM video on there. I'm like, oh, I love REM, so I'm going to keep watching and then follow it up with Susie and the Band. Actually, I don't think they would have had REM at that point. They were, think so? No, REM would have been on in 1990. They would have been on regular MTV yeah. rotation, but they were still alternative rock darlings. So I feel like they would have sprinkled in REM from time to time. Just such a great way to get exposed to something I never would have otherwise. I mean, the Connells did 120 Minutes. Then they do an interview. They did? Yeah. I remember when Slackjaw debuted. On 120 Minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I met those guys in the food court. <laughs> we're besties. Yeah. Clearly, you and I, we were seeking things under the radar. Mm-hmm. Sundays show up with this feel and that voice. And I'm a 14-year-old boy, and she is beautiful. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, Even that grainy, blurry, early 90s alternative video yeah. look, you could tell she was gorgeous. Yeah. And to their credit, they didn't just like go all in on that. We're going to do a three-minute video where we're just locked in super tight on her face right. lip singing. And no, they didn't. It's all of them. And yeah. It was the music. I found an interview of Harriet and David on 120 minutes. This is 1990. Welcome back to 120. We're with the Sundays vocalist Harriet Wheeler and guitarist David Gavarin. Now, where did you come up with the name The Sundays? In the sitting room, I think. That's where we came I think up it with might, it. it might have been somewhere like that. We had, a, we had a gig the next day, and it's the, the old story of wants to find a name quickly. And that was the only one that we could all even remotely agree on, I think. So it wasn't from a, you know, some strange book or anything. Yeah. I read that you wanted a name that wasn't larger than the music. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Sorry. the music's pretty large, and sometimes it's not a very long name. So I yeah, think that's, the music's enormous. That's it, yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's no sort of particular significance in it. It was just sort of something like fairly neutral for the name, because like the name's sort of like an extra, really, the music. 
for us is sort of, you know, obviously more important. And it seems that there are like some bands that have names that, uh, I don't know, like 10,000 Maniacs or something, that you hear the name and it sort of conjures up something before you've even heard the music. Well, we didn't want that. I mean, I think that's a good name, but it wasn't, you know, what we wanted for us, so... They're charming. Yeah. They're normal. Delightful. Yeah. She's laughing, making a joke. Yeah, the music's enormous. Yeah. And she's got her arm draped over the back of the couch. They're not professional. No, honestly, they didn't intend for it to be as big as they got. And in some ways, they stumbled into pop stardom. They played their first show in August 88. And in 1990, they're on 120 minutes. All right, fast forward a couple of years to 93. This is after Blind has come out and they're hosting 120 minutes. The whole thing. Okay. guest hosting nice. the whole thing. Hello, it's still me, and it's still here from Sundays, um, hosting 120 Minutes, and thank you very much for staying up, if you have stayed up, and you're very bad if you haven't. Yeah, no thanks to people that haven't stayed up. I no, guess. only abuse, really. So, um, can I just say that I feel a lot better since I went to the toilet. I was, it was, got a bit rough for a minute, but, you know, we're, we're back on course. And uh, apparently it's time for the last video on the show now, and uh, it's from a band who live in New York who are called Cell. Um, I actually saw Cell live, so it's personal anecdote time here. Um, I saw them in Chapel Hill at a place called The Cat's Cradle, which we then played in the next night. Um, and I thought they were excellent. Um, really good songs, really good sounds. That sounds like a sort of promotional thing, doesn't it? Good songs, good sounds. <laughs> there you go, Matt. We got it. Listeners, Matt always somehow brings it back to North Carolina. I thought I'd... Actually, you did it for me. That's awesome. <laughs> and she talks about the toilet earlier. You know, she's like, in a minute here, I'm going to have to go to the toilet. So that's good the next song. I've got a case of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> David does look a little bit like, okay. Hey, boo. She's like, this next song is massive, just like the dump I just took. <laughs> just like everyone in the studio is smelling what I just did, you're all going to be hearing this song. Come here's where the story is more like, here's where the fish and chips end. <laughs> I really am not, I would never make fun of her for anything because she is a queen and a princess and all of the things. <laughs> it just goes back to, that's 120 minutes, and that's them. They're so normal. They're so normal. That she references that. They're like two friends and neighbors. You're just hanging out at their house, and they're just talking about music, but yeah. there just happens to be a camera beamed out to millions of young kids watching at home. They seem like you just like to hang out with them. They're just... charming. Taylor Roberts from our Elbow Epipod. We talk about the Sundays all the time. I think of them a weird amount. <laughs> because... <laughs> Are they your Roman Empire? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. From the minute I saw that video, I went out and got the tape Okay, at yeah. the time. Uh, I've loved everything they've done. And then they just, they left and they said, we've just had a kid. They ended up having another kid. They've gone. And I've always wondered, what are they doing? Yeah. So I'm always like, what are they doing? <laughs> and Taylor and I talk about, these two have the best dinner parties in their garden. You could picture it. No doubt. They've got friends coming over. They seem like the type of people that would have an old professor, a neighbor, one of their kids, friends, parents. The elderly lady who lives next door, is, they invite her because they're yeah. just nice. And it's out in their garden and it's a long table. And at the end of the night, someone's like, hey, David, why don't you get the guitar out and do some songs? And I have that fantasy because, or I have that. <laughs> no, no, you said it right. Fantasy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have that picture in my mind because they just seem so wonderful. It's yeah. not even like their music makes me think that. Yeah. It's the two of them just seem like they're the best. Talking about taking dumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if it's like a thing? I discover every interview, she's talking about the toilet. He puts his head in his hands. He's like, oh, not now. And we find out she's just, she's had IBS for 30 years. <laughs> That's why they stopped touring. 
Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> You're right. I mean, they seem like the kind of people you just want to hang out with and be friends with. And you probably would even like them for things even more than just the fact that they were the Sundays. Like they just seem yeah. like they would be good people. That's to right. Hang out with. Yeah. And if anyone knows different, if anyone has a story about Harriet Wheeler being rude to you, keep it to yourself. Smashing up a dressing room. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> she doesn't even make it to the toilet. <laughs> oh my gosh. We got this like super classy, delightful person. We're talking about taking I know, you're <laughs> ruining her for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep moving with the music. Next track is Can't Be Sure. talking about 120 minutes but the rapid rise i didn't even realize how quick it was yeah. and so here's the timeline if anyone from the sunday's facebook group that i'm a part of <laughs> of course you is are listening and i get this wrong <laughs> that you're a part of you're the founder no i didn't come I, on i was not the founder <laughs> the music facebook groups that i'm a part of are sundays uh -huh. and elbow God, you really do love the sundays i do man yeah that's good so if i get any facts wrong I apologize to my fellow Sundays Facebook friends. Do the fans of the Sundays have a name? Uh, the Sun Dudes, Sundames, <laughs> I don't know. Harriet's Tots. <laughs> like Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots. Yeah. All right. For what I could find, May of 88 uh -huh. is when the band forms with Paul and Patch. They play their first show in August. Okay. They sent out some demo tapes and someone said, yeah, you can come play the show. Matt, we have footage of their second show on YouTube. Nice. Yeah, this is their second show. You had journalists there to see the band they opened for, but the journalists ended up writing about the Sundays. They're fully formed. Yeah. It's like they came out. And I listened, obviously, to this whole thing. Yeah, and obviously. all of the songs sound basically like the album. Album ready. Yeah. They're like the Benjamin Buttons of bands. They were born they're a grown man. <laughs> and then people freaked out. Yep. Their first write-up by a guy for, I think, Melody Maker. It starts with something crazy like, I haven't heard a sound this beautiful since I was one years old. Move over, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. <laughs> right. England's got a new super group. So there's like a bidding war with yeah. who they're going to sign with. And so then they released their first single, Can't Be Sure, right. in January. They've been a band less than a year. Way less than a year. Yeah. So January 1989. Here's the first write-up. Okay. This guy, Chris Roberts. The potential of the Sundays is about twice the size of Indonesia. <laughs> 
and their grasp of emotion recollected in tranquility is vital, precious, and I can only reiterate, beautifully beautiful. Hear this treasure and sense what they mean, a ruby in the dust, <laughs> gentler than a mood, a sapphire like Sappho, a catalyst like Catullus. Sunday morning, here's where the story starts. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> a little over top. Yeah. So at the end of 1989, there's a guy for the BBC named John Peel. Legendary John Peel. You were aware of him. Oh yeah. I was not. To play on John Peel's show is a mile marker for an artist. Great. He had the festive 50. Sundays, they were the number one on John Peel's festive 50, which is insane. They yeah. just started. Right. They didn't even have their album out. Their album was not released. They didn't even have enough songs for their album, apparently. <laughs> Here's some others. Number ones. Started in 1976 and Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven was number one. Okay. Sex Pistols, three years in a row. The song Anarchy in the UK, mm -hmm. 78, 79, and 80. Wow. Every year Every was year. number one. <laughs> nice. And then again in 82. <laughs> wow. Yeah. New Order, two years in a row. The Smiths, Matt. Mm -hmm. How soon is now? Yep. And then in 86, There's a Light That Never Goes Out. Great song. It has a very, here's where the story ends feel to it okay similar makeup and then a few months later they're on 120 minutes they're everywhere they're everywhere but can't be sure was the single in the uk mm -hmm. their introduction to the u.s was here's where the story ends right but that was not a single in the uk it wasn't a single at all in the uk something happened with rough trade and it didn't get released when rough trade went under we'll talk about that but sadly some people covered it was this group that would basically take songs and do a dance cover to it. Oh my gosh. They would do the song, but just throw down some bass, a heavy beat to it. And they got like in the top 10. Wow. And it sounds, I'm not even going to play it. I'm not going to be smart. You have scruples. Yes. I'm not going to play that. But they got in the top 10 of the UK, won an award. Was that for Here's Where the Story Ends? Yeah. The dance in version? In like 97. And all over the UK, it charted. But it was not released as a single originally. That's right. It was not released as a single, but it still placed number 36 on John Peel's Festive 50 for 1990. So 89, they got number one with Can't Be Sure, which is wild for us here in the United States because here's where the story ends, was everything. It was, yeah. Can't yeah. Be Sure is a great song, but we thought that didn't stand up to that at no, all. No, not at all. David had said if they didn't get signed like that, if that didn't happen so quickly, they probably wouldn't have continued on. Like you said earlier, they, just, they only had a handful of songs. They were just doing shows here and yeah. there. And all of a sudden, they've got to put together an album, and they're like, oh, crap, we need more songs. Yeah. And in 1990, here's where the story ends in the U.S., hit number one on the U.S. Modern Rock Tracks mm -hmm. Billboard chart. Just to put this in perspective, every band who had hit number one before them, mm -hmm. when you average the length of time that they had been a band, it's 10 and a half years. Wow. They had been a band for less than two years. That's insanely fast. The Sundays were a band for only nine years before they broke up. Their whole existence was less than it took... All those other bands to get to number to one. To number one. Yeah. They didn't have a manager, Matt. They toured the U.S. <laughs> without a manager. The weird thing with the Sundays is you don't want to say it's like lightning in a bottle because it wasn't because they have a, two more albums that are good and strong. Mm -hmm. They clearly had the ability to last and, and keep doing what they were doing. The fact that they didn't is a whole other discussion, but you juxtapose that with their meteoric rise and it's unheard of. They are precious they're special <laughs> yep and they are worthy of all the praise matt yes. the <laughs> all right let's play some more music next song we're going to cover is hideous towns
seen Ratatouille? Oh, yeah. When at the very end, the food critic takes a bite yeah. of the Ratatouille and he takes him back to yeah. being a kid. That's what the song did for me. <laughs> took you back. Took me back to like sitting in front of the TV, watching 120 minutes and getting exposed to those bands of that era and yeah. that feel. It's, it's great. Did you ever get into or listen to Ned's Atomic Dustbin? Yeah, man. Double bass. Green Cell Grey. Yeah. When this song started, that's what I immediately went to mm-hmm. is that feel in that song. Ned's yeah. Atomic Dustbin was, they've got two bases. They've got, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so unnecessary. No, it's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> The one guy's playing a bass, not like a bass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can't have two basses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to give Paul songwriting credit and he wrote that bass line? Yeah, that's amazing. Like, unless David is Prince and he's like, you play this, you play this. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. Hey, what if Harriet was really the one? She's like strong arming everybody. I don't want to know. No. I don't want anyone to burst my bubble <laughs> about Harriet Wheeler. Matt, you've mentioned the Smiths. Writers mention the Smiths and Cocteau Twins. They're dream pop, so they're going to be in that vein. But also, you know me, I don't like the Smiths. Right. Don't listen to them. I get the guitar playing, and there's a moment or two in a song. but At a very bass, lazy level, from an American point of view, it's like jangly guitars, and mm-hmm. they're British. So obviously <laughs> right. they are influenced by the Smiths. I think that's the lazy approach to it. Yeah. There are times where the lyrics, particularly in hideous towns, to me harkens to a very Smithsy type feel. Okay. The wordplay that she uses of I joined the army, the Salvation Army, but it didn't help. I yeah, I joined the army, but it drove me barmy. It's kind of mopey, but she does it in a much more precious way than Morrissey does. Yeah. But it's kind of this mopey life is dull ethos. What Hideous Town made me think of is the Smiths, heaven knows I'm miserable now, where he's Morrissey sings, I was looking for a job and then I found a job and heaven knows I'm miserable now. I think there's that part to it yet again with like just the word play it's not shocking right again she studied what english david studied romance languages or whatever as an english major i can say this but it's this classic oh we're english majors and we're going to write literary infused songs and it's going to be at a level you don't quite understand you know and (laughs) uh, you're not smart enough to get it and i think they do it in a much more cheeky delightful way Whereas with the Smiths, it's more like Morrissey's kind of hitting you over the head with how clever he is. I don't get that feel with the Sundays. They're much more every man, every woman. Okay, good. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't feel pretentious. It doesn't feel pretentious. It doesn't feel obnoxious. There's times where Smith's lyrics in particular, not the music, but the lyrics can be like just overly obnoxious with like how witty and clever and drab and, and awful Morrissey's life is. And, but yeah. again, as, as a 15-year-old kid, I was like, oh man, I was here for it. You know, I loved it. You could tell that literature and romance languages and, and everything, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to distance themselves from you. Yeah, And they've exactly. said from the get-go, don't read into this. Don't think very normal lyrics, but I bet they're tortured underneath. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She says the best day of my life was when I found a pound at the underground. <laughs> so stateside, that means I found a dollar on the subway. Yeah, a right. dirty dollar on the dirty subway. Actually, the underground, and I was surprised at how clean and wonderful it was yeah, to ride. It was <laughs> kind of nice. It's not like the subway. Matt, did you relate to hideous towns because you come from a small town? Do not besmirch down <laughs> North Carolina like that. So no, I did not, sir. You didn't sing hideous towns make me throw up. <laughs> I love that that's like the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And she sings in such a delightful way. I mean, I, yeah. we can't cover this album without covering I Kicked a Boy.
people are fighting over them after the <laughs> Melody Maker review, and they went with Rough Trade. Yeah, which is another reason I think people make that Smiths tie-in because they were on Rough Trade. And we talked about Rough Trade earlier this season with our Lucinda Williams epipod, which Matt, I saw you put on That's social right. media that she's coming to Raleigh, coming to the Pack in Durham, January. Yeah, Rough Trade is a pretty incredible record label. They hopped on there because they really liked the couple that ran it. Felt very down to earth. And it was close to where they lived. Yeah, it was just convenient. They were not going to be put out. No. They were going to do things their way. We don't need a manager. No. We're going to take as long as we want to record this song. It seems like a good partnership there. Yeah. Until Rough Trade went under. And then you kind of wonder what would happen to the Sundays. Right. Because they went to Parlophone and that was a different experience. But they had a hit with summertime yes in 1997 yeah i've talked before about you working at blockbuster music oh that's right i was all about summertime that was right when that song came out that album came out and i remember thinking like oh man they're back i don't remember it being like oh here's where the story ends was a nice little one-hit wonder and it's good that they've got another one it was more along the lines of oh yeah they still got it they're gonna be around for a while if only. I remember being bummed about Wild Horses. Don't get me wrong. It's great. It's really pretty. But people knowing them for that. Yeah. No, listen to the album, people. Yeah. You're missing it. Right. I mean, all their albums, Static and Silence is amazing. Mm-hmm. Listen, they gave us what they're going to give us. They're just unassuming. Even in naming the band, it didn't seem like a big to do. Yeah, so and they wanted something that really didn't mean too much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They wanted something that they could all agree on and... Something that doesn't give you a preconceived notion of what the music sounds like. Although, to be fair, if I hear there's an English band in the early 90s called The Sundays, I'm probably thinking they're sounding a little alternative. Yeah. Part of that is probably right because there's the Happy Mondays. That probably colors our notion of what The Sundays would sound like. Speaking of Happy Mondays, Matt, it made me wonder, is there a band for every day of the week? Ooh. Turns out, the answer is yes. Is it? We know there's a Saturday. Yeah. Because there's Queen Sarah Saturday. Which we covered on our underrated. Oh yeah, no, album. but I, I went the Mondays, the Tuesdays. Oh, the, oh there's yeah, one. There's yeah. a, oh my God. and there's actually multiple of almost every day of the week. Sure. Which, if you saw that there was another band, why would you name your band that? Yeah. Here are the Mondays. It's like a cherry bomb, and it's blowing you away. It's like a cherry bomb. This is the Empire Records soundtrack. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's like, you get a guitar in high school, you form a band, and that's what you're playing. It's the Breeders. All right, here are the Tuesdays. Bengals? I know, right? That's not bad. No, that's all right. right. Tuesday's okay. Okay. Tuesday's clearly better than Monday anyway. Here are the win- <laughs> Here are the Wednesdays. Are you ready for the come Are you ready for the come down? Are you ready for the come down? All right, that's enough of that. They're in high school. There weren't the Thursdays, but there was a band called Thursday. Okay. Sponsored by the year 2000. (laughs) And here are the Fridays, Matt. 
Jay Giles band. <laughs> Fabulous Thunderbirds. <laughs> Okay, there's one more. I'm regretting this decision. <laughs> okay. Nice. This is the Saturday? Yeah, it is. This feels like a Saturday night. Saturdays are legit. Yeah. And then the Sundays and the rest are the weekdays. <laughs> Week, W-E-A-K. Oh. Hey Come for the music, stay for the zing. One thing we do, listeners, is challenge one another to remove a song if we had to. So Matt, what are the Sundays going to do? She's going to blow up your bathroom. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. She's too delightful. <laughs> Matt, they would not invite you to their dinner party. But they have such great charcuterie boards. Oh, you know they do, man. Gosh. They invented that whole aesthetic. When you go online oh, now, the, like, the, every, lights, the and... lights, that's just their norm. Yeah. They did that naturally. Yep. Yeah, if you don't remove a song off reading, writing, and arithmetic. If you had to, which one would it be? If I had to remove a song, I would remove Skin and Bone. I like the chorus. I think it's pretty. As a whole, I don't think it's as strong as the other songs on the album. It feels a little bit, to me, a little less structured than the other songs on this album okay so what about you i All mean right. i know this is painful but if you had to remove a song yeah what would you remove uh, yeah uh, <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i went through <laughs> but at the end of the day and there's no right answer but i would remove a certain someone I love it, mm -hmm. but every other song I got to, uh, I would go, okay, what about My Finest Hour? And then I would go here. No, you can't. And I was like, no. nope, can't remove that. And then get to joy. Or I'd get to, yeah, there's no right answer. I had to remove one. I want to go to the dinner party. <laughs> yeah. I would rather lose a certain someone because I really want to be at that dinner party. Fair. Now it's time for your senior quote. To the end of the road. Underneath your senior picture, you put a quote that represents the journey you've been on, the road that lies ahead, or some whimsical quote from some elfin English songstress. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what would your senior quote be? My senior quote would be from Can't Be Sure, and it's the lines, it's good to have something to live for. You'll find live for tomorrow, live for a job, and a perfect behind. <laughs> High time. <laughs> I love how that's so clever and cute. The fact that she's singing about a wanting a perfect behind, and you're like, oh. Although to her, that means one that doesn't just explode <laughs> with diarrhea everywhere she goes. <laughs> Matt, my senior, my senior quote would be from Hideous Towns. Oh, my hopeless youth. It's so uncouth. And oh, I'd like to be in history. That's perfect. That's your, I'm um, a senior and I'm like, I think I'm literary by using a word like uncouth. uncouth. I want to do something with my life. <laughs> All right, Sundays, they went off the radar and 
97, not long after Static and Silence. I hope that they make so much money in royalties from any of their music that they've just been able to raise their kids and have dinner parties yeah. and be delightful. Apparently, they still write music. That's what the internet is for. for yes, me. right. One of the reasons the Stalking. internet exists is to look up the Sundays yeah. and find out <laughs> any information I can. There was an article in American Way magazine. The American, American Airlines? Airlines magazine. Okay. It came out in 2014. Somehow, this guy, this is the only interview that you have from them, I believe, since they broke up. It's in American Way magazine. And they're saying they've been writing music. They just don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. But you know what? They were around for nine years. They gave us three amazing albums. And I'll always love this album, especially. So I'm glad that we got to cover it today. Yeah, this is fun. They impacted me in a huge way. And I'm really glad we finally got around to, to talking about it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in again for Finest Work Songs. We love all the engagement with our Finest Work fans, whether it's on Twitter, X, Threads, Facebook. You can check out our website, finestworksongs.com. And be sure to send us those emails, finestworksongs at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read your email in a future Kenny Gmail. I'm tempted just to play the whole album as to, <laughs> to take us out on. But instead, I'm just going to take us out on the end of Hideous Towns, which is, I think, fitting to, to close us out. Yeah. See you next time. Yeah.